0: So today is the memorial or the feast of Our Lady of Nock. Now, it's, uh, Nock, Nock is, a, is, is it's a wonderful place. As a child, I always found it very interesting that it seemed no matter where you lived in Ireland, you were always at least three hours from Nock. It's a kind of this mysterious kind of enigma. It's kind of Bermuda Triangle kind of a thing where no matter where you were, it was a long journey. It was always a long journey. If you live in Limerick, if you live in Thurles, where I'm from, if you live in Dublin, you're always, you're always far from Nock. So every time one went to Nock, it was a bit of a journey. And I suppose back in the 80s, 90s and that, um, buses weren't, we called them buses back then, now they're called luxury coaches. Now they're air conditioned and air suspension and everything, you know. So now they're very, very comfortable, with Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> now buses are not the same as they used to be. Uh, they, are, they are very, very comfortable. So uh, back in the day, it was a bit of uh, a, a trek to get there. In 1879, when the apparition occurred... The train line went apparently as far as Chum and no further, and there were barely even roads, well, there were rough roads, like dirt roads, basically. And the way you travelled anywhere, if you had one, was a horse-drawn carriage, if you were so lucky, right? So we're talking about, a, a, even though it's not that long ago, really, it's, it's and whatever fifty years ago, 140-something years ago, 142, three years ago, uh, it's not that long ago really. Ireland has changed radically. Ireland was, was quite poor. Ireland was very, very simple back then. So it was August twenty first, eight o'clock in the evening, and in typical West of Ireland fashion, milling rain. Absolutely bucketing rain. And the, the sacristan Mary Lachlan and Mary Byrne were walking past the church and they saw something. Lights um well it wasn't it wasn't quite clear what they saw they didn't know exactly what they saw at this point so mary Lockton, the sacristan, ran back to to tell the parish priest that there's something up there must be some sort of a light or something outside the church now apparently she was fond of the drop every now and again so the parish priest said to her that's all right mary mary you go for a little sleep for yourself and we'll talk in the morning is that all right mary and uh, so that was so. Archdeacon Cabinet never made it, he never, never went to see the apparition. Mary Byrne, on the other hand, ran home, told her family, and then they all came out, and others had gathered around as well. So, at this point, there, was about, there were about 15 people, and they approached this phenomenon this, these uh, lights or shapes or whatever they thought they saw. And then, as they got closer, it became more distinct, and they were able to make out two scenes effectively uh, so our blessed lady with her hands raised about shoulder height shoulder width and eyes raised to heaven in prayer that on its own is is just such a, a wonderful and beautiful consoling image Ireland at a time of poverty at a time of oppression at a time of hunger I mean the, the famine wasn't wasn't that far what was still within within living memory I mean people were not well off, especially in the West of Ireland. So our ladies there praying for her children, praying for her for her people. Beside her then is Saint Joseph, with his hands joined and head bowed again in prayer. Turned slightly towards our lady, the one of the visionaries said, so respect for his for his dearly beloved wife as well. And on the other side then you, you have Saint John. Holding a large book and it looks like he's preaching or teaching. So he's wearing a mitre. Again, wouldn't have been they wouldn't have worn a mitre back in, in St. John's day, but I think it was done that way in order to kind of make him more visible. Otherwise, what would he look like? What would St. John look like? I don't know. <laughs> a guy. <laughs> so uh yeah. So he's a bishop and holding the book and, and preaching. So so we have Our Lady. We have the intercession of, of the Saint St. Joseph. We have sacred scripture. All just, just in, 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 that, in that part of the scene. There's, all, there's already so much going on. There's already so much being said, even though no word was said. None of the, the visionaries heard anything, and no one reported that, that, that the, the apparition spoke in any way. So this is, a, this is a, a visual communication to the 15 visionaries there. As they knelt down in the rain, for two hours, praying the rosary, watching what was, what was happening. Beside that then, there is an altar with uh, a lamb standing in front of a cross surrounded by a host of angels. So what makes this apparition very particular and I think very uh, something we can be very, very proud of is at the same time, it's Marian and Eucharistic. We actually see the, the the lamb the lamb is standing so the lamb has has been is is risen if you will so it's 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 a vision of hope it's a vision of of, of joy it's a vision that's so intensely catholic it's like a summary of, of, of everything we have sacred scripture and tradition the eucharist and our lady uh, heaven and earth like it's 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 all there it's all there it's like a microcosm uh, of all things christian. so the visionaries kneeling in front of this praying the rosary they reported that that the the figures looked whole as in um, they looked real they weren't kind of translucent or transparent in any way and they didn't flicker because some argued afterwards that it could have been some sort of a projection uh, on the wall to fool people but projectors back in the day would have flickered like crazy if you ever, even movies from the 30s 40s flickered you know so there was no flickering it was a a a whole a solid there were solid figures who moved slowly there wasn't any great movement going on but they, they were alive they were alive so fast forward to us then I just this is maybe just I find it's always important to ask ourselves what does this have to do with me otherwise it's just a nice story that happened 143 years ago. Wonderful. What does that have to do with me today? So as we think about Knock, as we contemplate Knock, I think one thing which, which very much stands out is the centrality of the Eucharist. How Our Lady St. Joseph and St. John, their purpose, their goal, their prayer, their teaching, their, their intercession all that they do is, is oriented towards what? It's oriented towards the Lord. It's oriented towards heaven. So, like, the centrality of, of the Eucharist, centrality of the Mass, there are other uh, prophecies, actually, as regards Knock, that Knock will become a centre for priestly renewal. I think that will absolutely be the case. Uh, in time... Seeing the, the, the centrality of the Eucharist there and the intercession of Our Lady, This is, when we delve into that spirituality, I've no doubt that Knock will be uh, an incredible place for, for the renewal of priestly vocations. Interestingly, our readings today the word of the Lord was addressed as follows Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Say to them, Trouble for the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Shepherds ought to feed their flock yet you have fed on milk. You have dressed yourself in wool. You have sacrificed the fattest sheep, but failed to feed the flock. You have failed to make the weak strong or care for the sick ones or bandage the wounded ones. You failed to bring back the strays or look for the lost. On the contrary, you've ruled them cruelly and violently. So this prophecy through Ezekiel is aimed at priests, the priests of the time. And in our day too. So there's a need, there is a need for, for priestly renewal. There's a need for priests to discover again that, that heart that they, that they must have, the heart of the Father, the heart of the Saviour, the heart that is pierced, the heart that burns with love for those entrusted to them, the heart that's crowned with thorns, the heart united with the cross. This, this, is, this is just... this. Priests must have that heart because they must they must be another Christ so knock reminds us that that all everything we do must be oriented towards the Lord and that might sound simple it might sound maybe banal or obvious uh, but there are many distractions putting our attention towards everything else towards even the congregation is is, is our main focus the congregation or is our main focus celebrating mass reverently uh, is, is the main focus the the particular people involved as a married couple or first communion or confirmation is, is the focus them or is the focus the lord and how do we as, as shepherds then bring our flock together towards the lord how do we orient them towards the lord this this should be our focus this should be our our, our, our intention this should be our concern so in knock we, we we see this we see the centrality of the eucharist and then as i say our oh, blessed lady praying for us, interceding for us, St. Joseph interceding for us, and St. John preaching and teaching to us. And again, the goal of all of that is to bring us back to the Lord, to bring us back to Jesus, bring us back to the Eucharist, bring us back to that, 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 that beating, living, sacrificed heart of the church. So today, let us ask for that grace to be, to be good disciples, to come to that school of Our Lady, to come to see her as our, as our mom, as our, as our intercessor, as our, as our guide. To see St. Joseph, so, most especially for us men, as an example of masculinity and purity. To listen humbly to the words of scripture which are as alive and active today as they were then. Let us be obedient humble disciples of this wonderful and exceptionally eloquent vision in Knock and may all that we do be oriented towards the sacrifice lamb our lord Jesus Christ